Hi, my name is Frances Stein. And I'm Malice. And welcome to this week's episode of Two Friends in a Pod for friends who want to talk about movies, music, TV, and all things pop culture. So, Alice, welcome again. <laughs> it's Spooktober, aka Spooky Season, aka Halloween, aka, I don't know, we could, I don't know. To be honest, in Australia, we don't really celebrate <laughs> Halloween. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> I think it's more of a recent thing, right? Like mm. in the past, I want to say like five to ten years. Definitely not when we were in high school, but sometime in between university and now, I would say it's become a bit more mainstream. So like Woolies and Coles will have their 50% off chocolates, you know, the share packs. <laughs> I always look forward to those sales because it becomes really cheap and affordable to get the the mini the mini Cadbury's and stuff the like fun that. Size. Yeah. yeah, the fun size ones. It's always been such an American holiday. Yeah. Like when you see it in movies, like I don't think trick-or-treat was so big when we were kids. I definitely see more of it yeah. now. And like people getting getting costumes and like um, Halloween parties and like merch in store. But yeah, it is, it is a very American holiday. I think it is an American holiday, I want to say. In the recent years, it definitely has been an uprising of Halloween parties and stuff like that. I think it's just another reason to sort of celebrate and have a party, which I think as Aussies, we're not opposed to. Yeah. And I, I do. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy the Halloween decorations. I think they're fun. Yeah. But I have no like, you know, feeling towards it at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It's not like something you grow up with and have a lot of like nostalgia. And there's like yeah. all these great childhood memories associated with it. It's like I saw it in a movie. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Also, the I think I showed you today that there was a Starbucks yes. collection for Halloween, which is also the strangest thing. So this is the thing with Starbucks in Australia. Starbucks Australia failed many years ago because yes. of, you know, Gloria Jeans. <laughs> well, Gloria Jeans, but also like Australian culture towards like you know, Australian coffee culture, which mm. is very particular. I think we're quite, I want to say like snobby, but I mean, I'm part of that. Snobby culture snobby, as well. yeah. <laughs> Let's just admit it. <laughs> like it is. Like we definitely are. We're very particular about the way we like our coffee. You know, I think we the flat white is basically an Australian invention yeah. at this point. And so yeah, Starbucks Australia failed all those years ago. So it's sort of had a resurgence in the past year uh, five years. So they're popping up all over Sydney again. And this is the part where we step in because we're like we're also part of the snobby Australian coffee culture. Um we love coffee. But we also enjoy Starbucks consumerism, which is their like limited edition collection of cups and mugs and stuff. Yeah. Alice, I have something really sad to tell you. Oh, no. Like sold out online. Oh, no. <laughs> the one we were looking at. The pumpkin one? Yeah, the pumpkin one's gone. Oh, no. Well, thanks for nothing. <laughs> so yes, there was an announcement that they had brought in new Halloween merch and there was like a very, very cute pumpkin-shaped mug that had like a little kitty black cat on top of it that we instantly were like, we want this one. <laughs> and now it's sold out. <sighs> we jinxed it. That's what you get when you don't instantly buy things. You shouldn't think about <laughs> whether you need you know it or what? not. Otherwise, you lose out. It was the $10 shipping. That really that was me off. And you know what put me off? You could only buy one at a time, so we couldn't even share the shipping. Oh, really? It yeah, was it was like one. limited one per person. Oh, my God. Maybe I should just go to Starbucks tomorrow. Yeah, and is this consumerism at its worst, really? We are victims. Oh, no, we're victims. And the thing is, do you drink Starbucks coffee? Not often. 
But when I do, it's an ice long black. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's I mean? like, I'm not drinking like they're crazy frappuccinos or whatever. Yeah, that's the other thing. I don't. I really don't like the frappuccinos <laughs> and stuff. Like I think I would have in high school and stuff, but now I would. I would not choose that over a coffee. And mm. to be quite honest, if you're going to get a cappuccino or a flat wine or something, Starbucks is like the last place that I would get it from. No offense to people who like Starbucks coffee, but it's just there are better places for me um, yeah. that have it sure. <laughs> or maybe a coffee taste that I enjoy better. And then they have all like the pumpkin spice lattes and stuff, but I also really dislike those. I think they're like deadly sweet i don't know i'm not really maybe it's just because i don't really know what pumpkin spice is i don't mind the pumpkin spice latte it just like tastes like really sweet milk like honestly yeah which it's not that nice <laughs> i mean this is on a sad note the mug we wanted is sold out yeah okay well shouldn't have brought it up i feel like i've jinxed it now Really hyping myself up to be like, I'm going to get this mug, but now I'm like, I can't get the mug. But you're right. I actually probably am going to go to Starbucks tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, have a look. Let I'm me know. Fine. I'll let you know for sure. Yeah. But we were talking about Halloween being a celebration, and I think that is a perfect transition to another celebration. Congratulations, Courtney and Travis. Yay! Round Thanks. of applause. If you guys haven't seen, Courtney Kardashian and uh, Travis Barker have officially announced that they are engaged. It appeared on every single Kardashian slash Jenner's Instagram, so <laughs> definitely confirmed. The Rock is huge. Fucking huge. <laughs> that it, thing. I don't even insane. know how many carrots it is at this point. Like oh it's just God. many, many carrots, okay? And it's shiny as hell. Um, so congrats to Kardashian, um, Kardashian, <laughs> congrats, to, <laughs> congrats to Kourtney Kardashian. Um, she truly looks so happy in every single image that I've seen of her and Travis. So I can only imagine that she actually is happy. How long have they been dating? It feels like it's been like a really quick. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, potentially like publicly, um, it has not been that long, but I mean, you know, she looks so happy. I don't even know how to describe it because it's, I think because we see Courtney so often, you can actually mm. like kind of see the difference between like, you know, like it's almost like a before and after, right? Like, <laughs> Well, now she's free of the baggage of Scott and his issues and his, yeah, yeah his jealousy yeah. and his pettiness and she can move on finally and be happy with Travis. Yeah. So I think if you've watched the last season of Keeping Up with Kardashians, the whole season is basically, well, Courtney's storyline in this season is basically that everyone's pushing for her to get married to Scott and being like, you guys have like so many kids together. Like, you know, you spend a lot of time together. You go on holidays together. You're basically family. Why wouldn't you just get married? And then I think Scott very much is on the same page as that mm. and being like, you know, why, why don't we? I like, you know, we are a family already, et cetera, et cetera. And Courtney's always been the one who's adamantly been like, no, definitely not you know, what I needed from you and you did, you couldn't give me that. Mm. I think I mean, without her, like, I guess explicitly saying it, she has a lot of love for Scott because he is the father of the child. They spent many, many years together. But to actually commit to him, I think, is, you know, a, a step that she probably could never take mm. and couldn't see herself doing. So it's actually pretty interesting that she has said yes to Travis and marriage because clearly it's, it's sort of saying, like, you know, Scott wasn't the one. And this is her first marriage. Like yes, she's never been married before. Yeah. Things are good for her. For her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think everyone's calling it this is her what it, her main character's, you know, side. 
know, what do they say? I, I can't I can't say it cool like the TikTokers <laughs> do. But you know, well, she's the main character. Moment. You have her main character moment. That's how she's yeah, the how yeah. describe it as. But yeah. Her poor hand is gonna have to hold up that huge ring. Oh, her poor poor girl. Yeah. That's okay. She'll be right. <laughs> <laughs> but congrats, Courtney, finally finding love, finding yeah. someone to commit to. Love that for you. Love that for her. And speaking of finding love, so oh God, we I, are so good with the transitions today. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna grab onto that one. Like, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> so the new Australian Bachelorette has just been announced, and it is Brooke. Brooke. <laughs> yeah. So Brooke, she was on the Honey Badgers um, season of The Bachelor. Wait, she was already on. I thought she was brand new. No, she was on The Bachelor. Oh, my God. With the Honey Badger. I actually can't remember his real name, but I'm just going to call him The Honey Badger because that's his nickname. And basically in his season, you know, he had a very controversial season. So basically he had, as you know, all bachelors go, many, many girlfriends and he chose, I think he was up to the top three and Brooke was number three. And I think the storyline and how the story, the show was sort of going at that point was that he was like infatuated with Brooke and they had a really good thing together. She really liked him. And then it was pretty clear or it looks clear at this point in time that he's going to pick her, even though she's like top three, there's mm. two other girls to pick her from. He is very into this girl. And then she actually leaves the show because she's like, oh, this isn't for me. Okay. Fair enough, girl. Like, Use your own thing, have your own journey. And then from then on, he's sort of like, you can tell he's not really into it. I think oh. um, part of his season, he doesn't really like play into the whole Bachelor thing. Like he doesn't really buy into it as much as other previous iterations of it have, um, which is sort of a strange thing then to sign up for, I think. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone knows going into The Bachelor what to expect. I think mm. he – Maybe knew but didn't think it would bother him, but maybe it did bother him because at the end of his season, he actually chose nobody. Very brave, I think, to be honest. Like, instead of forcing himself to choose one person, he he wasn't feeling it then. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't feeling it. In the last episode, he was like, I didn't want to, like, just pick one girl and have a short relationship and promise her all this stuff and then Mm. know that it's not going to last. Well, that's how he positioned it. (laughs) But to me, I'm kind of like, this is The Bachelor. Like, you have one job. And that job is one person. Even if it's just for, like, media or, you know, just to play the game or just do an act, I'm like, well, why not? Like, (laughs) this is what you've been paid to do, right? If people want to believe in this thing, I think it's fine. <laughs> like, yeah. it's not like there's no bachelor or bachelorette contestant who has not broken up at the end. Like, there's always been those stories and stuff. So, I'm, in my mind, I'm kind of in two ways about it because, on one hand, yeah, he's in, totally entitled to pick nobody if there is nobody. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, just play along. Like, <laughs> Give us what we want. Literally, like, you know, whatever. So, yeah, that was his season. And then so she was like the – she yeah, she came number three. And I think what annoyed me a lot about this particular girl in this this season is she she does come out as being bisexual, which is fine. Mm. Um, but they do kind of bait it a little bit as in like, guess what? We have a bisexual person. <laughs> like, they totally were like putting her on the ads and being like, you know, this is our point of difference. We're so progressive because mm. we have this like 
a person on our show and it's like it feels it felt a little bit like queer baiting to me in like the way that it was advertised Mm. um whereas they could have just I don't know I feel like maybe the better way of doing it was was just to like normalize it and just be Mm. like yeah whatever instead of her having to be like oh I don't know if should if I should tell him that I'm like you know I feel this way it's like okay yeah it's not a big deal like yeah (laughs) This is like 2020 or 2019 at this point. It's just like, to me, I was like, this is not like a big deal. Like, this is fine. Yeah. <laughs> now, and then she was quite a popular contestant, I think, as well. Mm. And so now she's on, she has her own bachelorette, which I'm not surprised about because she was quite popular. She's a very likable girl as well. But in saying that, I always fear for like the same thing to happen. Like, they're just going to use her for whatever, like, progress or. I don't know, whatever mm. story they want to tell and like do it incorrectly or mm. like sensationalize yeah. when it's just like normal, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. So I guess it's worth pointing out that she is the first lead on like the Bachelorette slash Bachelor series. So she is bisexual. She's also First Nations. So she kind of has that point of difference. But yeah, I guess it's good to see that on TV because like the fact that she's first means it, it's never been there before and it's sort of like, time is up like it's you know we're ready for that sort of thing now but it's also like I don't trust channel 10 to do it sensitively <laughs> that's the thing I'm worried about because yeah like it's totally good that we are progressing in a way and it's a it's a weird way of progressing because I think now we look at the bachelor as being I guess it like opens up a lot of can of worms about how we view women on tv and stuff like that so I guess it's kind of a strange thing yeah <laughs> we're like it's kind of good but it's like also the best way we could have done this but also at least we're kind of normalizing things and pushing boundaries a little bit but I just yeah in the back of my mind I'm like this isn't going to be the best representation mm. like, you know of that they could do yeah I don't know I'd like them to prove me wrong <laughs> I'm definitely keen to watch I can only hope that like she signed on knowing and like trusting that they would do it in like a sensitive and an appropriate way and not just like yeah, I hope so, because by all means, she seems like a very sweet girl. Yeah, but even like the last um, season, not the Jimmy one, but the Matt one, Dr. Matt, mm-hmm. who was like this um, astrophysicist, I don't know, space engineer, science guy. Yeah. And he had um, one of the contestants was Abby. Yeah, Abby. Mm-hmm. And she got the whole like slut shamey edit, like they villainize mm-hmm. her as so it's like been problematic in that sort of way oh uh, yeah like I feel like the bachelor and bachelorette are definitely the editing of those shows mm, I feel like the drama really pitting the I women really, against each other yeah, yeah I really dislike that aspect and in that regard I think I that's why I stopped watching because I just couldn't handle things like that where it's like so I don't know it makes you feel gross inside yeah so like just for entertainment's sake I'm also like there's other reality tv shows and other better dating reality tv shows to be quite honest that aren't as disrespectful maybe <laughs> have you watched um love on the spectrum no i haven't actually i see, i keep seeing that on um netflix yeah it's really good actually mm-hmm. it's an australian show and it's people who are on the autism spectrum just like finding love and figuring out what it's like to date people and you know going through that whole thing which is a hard thing already but it's yeah, definitely interesting to see it from their perspective and what they experience and how they like 
uh, navigate it with their parents and stuff. So I'll definitely, I definitely actually recommend you watch that. Ooh, and it's like, okay. and it's not like you know, mining it for drama or making weird mm-hmm. storylines out of it. It's just like it's more documentary style, I would say. Ah, uh, okay. So just more like navigating their own journeys to find love and things yeah. like that. Okay, like I, I would, I would prefer, probably prefer something like that. Whereas I think there were particular seasons of The Bachelor or Bachelorette where there was more bullying. Like bullying mm. was definitely like a storyline, and I really just can't handle storylines like that because I just think it, I just think they're awful and they shouldn't be sensationalized. And I don't know. I don't know how to breaking news. Alice doesn't like bullying. <laughs> it just feels awful, doesn't yeah. it? Like. Yeah. Yeah, and like half of these women, I'm like, I don't even know if, you know, this is actually happening because I'm well aware that like reality TV is uh, very scripted and edited. Mm. So I don't know. I feel yeah. like also it's always the women who get pitted against each other like this. With the guides, it's all like bros and we're bromance, <laughs> right? Like, you know, they're so like, respectful of each other. Why is it just the women that suddenly we get like the bitchy headlines and like, yeah. Yeah, that sort of drama, the catty drama, if we want to call it that. I'm like, it's always the women as well. Like, there's always a storyline where it's like, oh, she's not in here for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And it's like, everyone knows that you're on a reality show. Like, mm-hmm. everyone on there at some level knows that this will elevate their status or like their celebrity and will put mm-hmm. them in the public eye. Like, that's just like connected to being on the bachelor or bachelorette. Like, mm-hmm. you can't distance yourself from that like that's everyone's in the same position so I don't know why they always like freak out it's like she's not in here to find true love she might just be in here to like <laughs> get some Instagram followers it's like you're all the same <laughs> it's like and you aren't yeah exactly <laughs> maybe you have like, to want Instagram followers and want love I'm, I'm sure have have all of them are like that yeah <laughs> They always like pick out one woman and it's like, she's just yeah. here because blah, 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 blah. She wants to promote a bikini business or something. It's like, oh my God. I guess The Bachelor is the way to do it, right? Yeah. But yeah, it is sort of like a strange way to look at it because I think the editing is so obvious. I it's think it's so kind obvious. of hard. It is hard to like not critique it, right? Because they, mm. it's in your face. Like <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. I will be checking out The Bachelorette to see how they. Yeah, I'd be curious. I'd be curious as to can the contestants actually as well and how they navigate that. <laughs> We're looking at you, Channel 10. Our eyes on you. <laughs> we have so much influence and power, so. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of love, Alice. Again? I, oh, my God. We're... <laughs> Something's in the water. I watched a bit of romance over the weekend. I watched Ooh. a K-drama called Touch Your Heart. Oh, now. yes, yes. <laughs> I honestly like, you know, one of those fluffy K-dramas where it's there's really very little substance. It's just about watching two hot people be really cute with each other. And you know what? That's totally okay. Yeah, it totally <laughs> ticks that box. So mm-hmm. I don't want to like make comparisons to Crash Landing on You because that's like... Oh, no, ST. you did it. No, yeah, I know. That's risky. <laughs> but I would say it has the same dynamic. So the guy is a very serious, workaholic, no-nonsense n- lawyer who just <laughs> has no time for love and feelings. Mm-hmm. And the woman is a very famous actress and she's just, like mm-hmm. fun and cheerful and a bit like disconnected from real life because, you know, she's a huge celebrity. And the story is that she's been in a scandal so she can't get any work. 
And the only drama that will have her is like a law drama. So they're like, to get this part, you need to work at a law firm for three months and get experience so you can like, I don't know, do the best performance of your life. So she ends up working (laughs) at this lawyer's law firm as his secretary, Mm. (laughs) as you may expect, feelings blossom. I wouldn't have expected that at all. What do you mean? (laughs) So she's like that fish out of water. She's like, oh, like what's office life like? You know, what, you know, what are these random tasks? She's like super girly. So she does that thing where she decorates her desk all in pink. Mm -hmm. And then she puts like pink cushions and heart shaped poster notes at his desk. And he's like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Slowly and surely she like chips away at his cold heart. Oh, of course. I mean, his heart was just cold and protected. He didn't want to hurt his feelings. <laughs> am, I get, am I getting warmer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it made me think of some of like my favorite slash dislike tropes in K-dramas. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to run them by you. So the, one okay. of the things is kind of like this opposites attract. So there's always yep. like cold-hearted man, excited, cheerful woman. And mm-hmm. I don't know, something about that just makes a drama so like cute <laughs> I, don't know why. I think it's the I mean we see this in rom-coms as well like mm. someone who doesn't want to love but you know can't help can't themselves. help it yeah. yeah can't help themselves because they're so drawn by a particular person I think that's the kind of allure people would aspire to have right mm. it can like make even the coldest person warm up beautiful the power <laughs> of love not in this drama but I think this is for you you're especially a fan of the fact that the lead couple like knew each other as kids. <laughs> oh my God, I feel attacked. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's just something about it. I think it when you have like history or like when your best friends are kids as kids, it automatically places your relationship into something with history. And I think that's always something that makes you believe in the romance a bit more, I think. <laughs> Because, oh, like you're like, like oh, these guys have element. History. Yeah, like these guys yeah. have history. So it's not just like, oh, it's a love at first sight kind of thing. It's a something that's been building in them for their whole life. <laughs> or I don't know. I, I think that's what's in my head. Like it is something that has been building rather than just sudden feelings of love or something like that. that mm. is, because I think often they really portray this romance and stuff as something that's very overwhelming and, I don't know, deep. Mm. And sometimes it can be hard to portray that in a drama or a movie or something when it happens all very quickly, like it happens over, you know, a week or two. Whereas if you <laughs> automatically put them in, I was like, oh, but by the way, they had a really big event happen to them when they were kids. You're like, oh, okay. Oh, that explains it. <laughs> that explains everything. <laughs> I don't know if this logic is very flawed. It probably is. But I mean, in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree. It's a, it's a great Slash, it's a it's a trope for sure. Yeah, another trope is there's always like an episode where the couple has to go on a trip mm-hmm. and then they get stuck there. It's like raining too much, or they miss the train and they have to like book a hotel, but there's only one room <laughs> or there's Ooh. one bed left. This can really be um this can show you the price level of a of a K drama depending <laughs> on how old the main characters are, right? Yeah, but they always go and they're like, oh, can we have two rooms, please? And they're like, sorry, there's only one left, and they do that all good thing. They're like, oh. I'll, I'll just sleep on the ground. <laughs> they both can't sleep because yeah. they're both thinking about each other. <laughs> oh, love it. There's always a scene where like someone is tripping or always the girl is tripping and then the guy mm-hmm. has, has to catch her yeah. and then they like stare at each other for like 20 seconds, it seems like. And then their faces are like a little bit too close for comfort. Mm. And they're just like, oh my yeah. God. 
Are we going to kiss? <laughs> um, there's always a soft toy. So, like, the guy mm. always buys the girl a soft toy to, like, cheer her up and that becomes, like, a mascot for him. Or he gets it from a claw machine. Yes. And wins for her. <laughs> So in this one, it's like a hedgehog. And she's like, it reminds me of you because you're prickly on the outside. Oh, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. And there's always like a scene where like the girl or the guy cuts themselves. And it's like the equivalent Mm -hmm. of like a paper cut. But then they go all dramatic and like buy the whole pharmacy, do a minor surgery to like help them. It's like, just slap a Band-Aid on it. Like, it's not that serious. (laughs) And usually there's a scene where like... The guy is like, you know, so many thoughts going through his head. So he has to take a shower. <laughs> and you just hand in <laughs> on the shower. Yeah. And then there's like a hot, steamy shower and he's like topless because he's yeah. in the shower. They always do this like to the male. Yeah. And he's always like running his hands through his hair like, yeah. oh, oh my God, I'm so stressed. And then he like goes to bed in his like silk pajamas and like well kept hair. <laughs> and he just goes to bed sad. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I totally know all these tropes. It's so funny how Korean dramas always find a way to bring two people together. So in this case, I guess, like, she needs to work um, and act in a drama as a lawyer. So she does work experience. Like, that in no way happens in real life. Like, I do not see any actor, like, pretending to be, like, an intern for three months just to do better in a role. Like, that's so... But, like, we see this all the time in Korean dramas where, like, oh, we have to um, spend a lot of time together in a confined space. So, like, oh, I accidentally ruined your car, so now I owe you so much money and now I need to work for you to make to pay my debt. Or, like, oh, my God, I accidentally, like, got kicked out of my home, so now we need to live together for, like... (laughs) For like a month because I'm poor and I have no home. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Like my mom thinks I have a girlfriend. So you have to pretend to be my girlfriend. And we have to date for like five months. So yeah, I, I would say that it's so stupid because she's like there as a secretary, just like to learn about law, I guess, and being a lawyer. But she like gets really involved with all the cases and like, I'm like, what? You're a secretary. Yeah. Like <laughs> what authority do you have? And I'm so sure that all the law aspects of this drama are mm-hmm. so wrong and silly. Like it's stupid. It's mostly just watching the two of them interact. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're not there for the law drama, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, very interesting. What was the last um, drama we watched? I would say True Beauty. Oh, yeah, True Beauty. That was the last one that we watched um, mm. together. I think it does sort of touch on a lot of the tropes that you spoke <laughs> about as well, but in a high school setting. Yeah. Um, whereas this is, I guess, adults. All of these tropes always occur. It's so repetitive. But mm-hmm. something about K-dramas just keeps pulling me back in. I they can't just get like- enough. They put these tropes in new settings. So I guess in this case, it's like it's law school. Um, sometimes they do high school. Sometimes they do uh, rich people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's not that, that different, hey? Mm. But yeah, I guess you get the same about any sort of genre film or movie or drama or TV series. Or like there's always specific tropes. I think Korean dramas just really tend to like drill those tropes down <laughs> to the ground and, you know, take every single aspect of it, any every, every and any way you could do a, a trope, they've done it. I don't know. I think once you like delve into like K-dramas and stuff, you sort of just sink into the world that they create for you and mm-hmm. just like, yeah, this is ridiculous, but it's fine. You just sort of accept it. And when you accept it, it's it's very fun. Yeah. To be honest, like one of the last ones we watched was probably Squid Game, but I don't know why like I separate that mentally. It's not in the same realm of a K-drama, even though it's a Korean mm-hmm. drama. I would say uh, Squid Game is probably a bit more westernized in its style of filming. 
Mm. I mean, I think that's also a reason why it has maybe gained a lot of popularity worldwide mm. and not just with people who enjoy K-dramas. It doesn't really touch it. And I know we're, when we were talking about the tropes before, like there were like rom-com tropes specifically. But I mean, if you've seen any K-drama of any genre, they're, they're quite specific in style. I would say Squid Game is sort of delves a little bit further from that. Like mm. it's kind of in its own little, I don't know, set. Yeah, I would yeah. definitely them but it is a Korean drama I suppose. I guess in the like in the realm of Korean drama there's a lot of different types like there's historical mm. ones more crime ones like drama like there's a lot apart from romance but I guess the ones that mm. I tend to watch tend to be in that drama sorry the romance category I don't really watch mm. the other types. Yeah. I just want fluffy cute silly <laughs> couples opposite yeah. to track. Those are the Korean dramas that I've enjoyed the most yeah definitely the rom-com ones because they are so as we say like genre and cliche and that's exactly what I want in a romance whereas when if I want like a gritty drama I don't necessarily want it to be cheesy mm. I just I want it to be like I don't know realistic or I don't know so, I don't know. I have different expectations of it maybe. What's like one that I wa- I tried to watch Vincenzo. I never got into that. Yeah, cuz a lot of people really really liked it and I thought I'd give it a go and I gave it a really good go but honestly, I think it's just not for me. It's like Italian mafia crime drama, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so like the main guy he plays an ex mafia lawyer and then mm. he comes back to korea because he's trying to get money i think mm. is the, the main thing and within it there's also like drama between a pharmaceutical company and it's like a, civ- a civil uh, i don't know i don't know law but anyway <laughs> <laughs> there's basically like a lawsuit happening and then there's all this drama that's happening and, and then he's helping the lawyers fight at the pharmaceutical company mm. things like that and i think to me i don't know i think it was mainly because it wasn't gritty enough for me mm-hmm. whereas like the the topic is quite dark and the like the court scenes should be quite intense and i think it's just not enough for me because i think i'm very used to a certain style when we watch on like i don't know hbo or you know something like that mm. I think, yeah, Korean dramas have diversified a lot as well because traditionally you had them coming out of the three main TV stations like NBC, Mm -hmm. SBS, KBS. But now you have a lot more cable stations uh, releasing Mm -hmm. K-dramas and like companies like Kakao making it. The ones on traditional stations tend to be a lot more conservative because there's limitations. Like you can't even show a knife. It has to be blurred out. So I, mean, that's I guess that's have... very different from here. Yeah, I totally understand it. But sometimes just it's not what you're looking for. Yeah. And I, I think also for people who are used to yeah. it. Yeah. Now we're getting Netflix produced K-dramas and stuff like Squid Game. Um, we can you know, explore a bit more of that platform. And they can. I think it gives um, directors a little bit more creativity and freedom as well. So like... Mm. Said Squid Game, actually, the whole idea of it, I think, is a story now that he had a lot of trouble producing this. Yeah, it's like 10 years. He couldn't get it made in Korea. We all know the story. (laughs) Because of said conservative stations and stuff like that. It's interesting because Korean films tend to be very violent, like... And that's not a new thing, like, you know, since Old Boy and all those old films as well. It's just always had this grittiness, but that's sort of been missing from television. Like, there's a very distinct difference between the two mediums mm-hmm. but yeah it's crazy though it's so popular i can't escape it i know i think it's always like is it too popular <laughs> <laughs> like chill out yeah it's all the halloween same. costumes everyone's gonna dress up as yeah one i guess of the contestants. Same money heist as well and it's an mm. easy costume to be honest i know you just need a sweatsuit yeah, yeah a green sweatsuit and it's turning up everywhere and it's everywhere <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, on the topic of everywhere, Marvel is everywhere. Oh, Marvel. Marvel. <laughs> Disney. <laughs> Black Widow. Black Widow has been everywhere on my Google homepage. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to segment that into something else, but anyway. So Black Widow came out onto Disney platform for free. Not premiere access, for free. Um, Yeah, we won't even talk about the whole drama that happened with that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I just managed to watch it because as you may know I refuse to pay extra for my Disney <laughs> premiere access um I've been burnt before I, I'm okay to wait and not pay extra <laughs> um so I just watched it but I know you watched it a bit earlier I did not pay yeah anyway <laughs> <laughs> I also refuse to pay <laughs> so yeah Black Widow it's sort of like the movie we've been waiting for a, for a long time <laughs> Sort of like the injustice of the Avengers, like, you know, everyone from Iron Man, um, Thor, Ant-Man, Hulk. Hulk had multiple movies and yet no Black Widow. Multiple actors, but Black Widow doesn't get a solo movie. Yeah, Yeah. and then Black Widow, she is part of the Avengers. And I think there was like a bit of controversy before as well when the whole Avengers first came out and then they didn't make her as a toy but they made everyone else as yes. a toy because people didn't think that boys would want Black Widow. Yeah, well like girls wouldn't want superhero action figures. Yeah. yeah. So, so strange. So basically this movie has been brewing <laughs> I think in everyone's minds for a long time if you've ever watched Marvel. Like and by all means she has a very interesting backstory. So it's almost oh, yeah. like why wouldn't you? There is so much to say. Yeah. Why are you um, just like, do you not want to make money? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is the strangest bit because we all know Disney loves to make money. They love to be on top. So like, why wouldn't you invest in this character that you so clearly want to invest in, right? Yeah. yeah she was in all Avenger movies. She was in multiple like... Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, been in yeah and like movies. Captain Marvel got a movie and it was like, Black Widow doesn't get a movie. Like, Yeah. <laughs> the weirdest thing. But anyway. They did it, uh, finally. <laughs> I finally did it and they did it. In a way that I think I was very happy with because I was thinking that this was just going to be purely an origin story. Mm. And it wasn't that. It sort of had a little bit of both. So like showing her her childhood and how she was brought up, but then bringing it very um, quickly into present day and a story that kind of ties in, I think. Is it in between or is it just? I think it's like after Civil War, but before the whole yeah. like, yeah. Before the whole Thanos thing. Endgame thing, yeah. Yeah, so it's sort of in between. So it kind of like fits nicely into this like whole storyline and timeline that Marvel has built over the years, whilst also giving us more Black Widow, especially in this time where she is, she's pretty powerful. She's at her strongest, I would say, at this point mm-hmm. in time. And I think the movie does well. It's connected enough to the Marvel universe, but it really mm-hmm. just feels like a solid standalone film, solid action spy movie. Mm-hmm. And even if you weren't aware of the wider Marvel universe, I think you could just like watch it on its own as like a mm-hmm. fun spy caper movie yeah like it does give nods to the avengers of course Mm. i would say not too overtly that you would feel like you're missing out um if you haven't watched the avenger movies i don't know like the one percent of people who haven't 
<laughs> as you say, it, it is a good standalone movie. The action scenes are really, really fun. And I think actually it does fit into the Marvel Universe very nicely, which mm. I was also quite happy about. I mean, all these Marvel movies have been directed by multiple people. Yeah. But they all managed to maintain a certain humor about them that mm. I think sort of like travels well, even with all the different directions that all the movies are going. So I really enjoyed that aspect that it just felt like it was whole and it wasn't just like a let's just give her her own movie and just slough it in the middle somewhere <laughs> yeah and I and it really delves into um Natasha's history and you get to see her family and I think that was the best bit um mm-hmm. about it was like her dynamic with her family so Rachel Weiss, the police from Stranger Things <laughs> David yeah. Harbour yeah. yeah and um oh Florence. my god what's her name Floris yeah Puh. 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 I have I no say idea Puh because it's like rhymes with Hugh yeah I could be wrong. Florence. (laughs) Florence. Yeah. They make a really like complicated but interesting family dynamic, which I really enjoyed. Yes, I definitely love that bit. And you do see quite quickly in the movie that they are a isn't would you call it man made family? (laughs) They're not they're not blood related. Mm. Um they are put together. They're created by the government. (laughs) (laughs) to spy on america (laughs) you know the scene where they're like basically needing to escape because they've been found out i was Mm. a little bit confused at first because like i don't know what's happening why are they being so sneaky because i think the florence Pugh sister character because she doesn't really know what's happening either i was her and i was like i'm confused why are you guys leaving (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then they escape back to like i don't know the soviet union or like russia and then you realize that Natasha and like her sister are going to be put through the Black Widow program. So it, mm-hmm. it also really ties into, I guess, themes about female empowerment and having your agency and your body taken away from you. Like literally like they have their uteruses and yeah, reproductive yeah. organs taken away so that they can be controlled by this like man and to do his yeah. bidding. Yeah. To do, yeah. To become basically these child soldiers really mm-hmm. and like assassins. So like I think the Florence Pugh character is – She's like the most deadliest child assassin or something like that. I'm like, that's not a title you want. Like, I mean, by all means, it makes you um, powerful, but it just feels wrong, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about children as being like the most innocent in the world. And then we put them up to this, like <laughs> anyway, only a horrible person such as this man would do such a thing. But yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was really fun. It was a good action movie. It tied in nicely with the Marvel Universe. And as a fan of the Marvel Universe, like I would say, it does sort of complete that chapter as well. And I think also suggests that there is more to come in this Mm. Black Widow um, narrative, which I'm also happy about. I really enjoyed it, but I was like, oh, it's kind of sad that we got it so late. And now I guess, you know, big spoilers, Natasha is dead. We're not going to get any more of her. What a shame yeah. that, like, it took this long and, you know, it's yeah, it's great that we got such a good movie. It's like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, because what if we got a Black Widow 2 or something like that, you know, yeah. something. I don't know. Who knows what's in the cards for Marvel? They can jump around as much as they want. They've created this whole <laughs> universe. They can go back and forth because there's just so much content at this, at this yeah. point. And, and I so guess it's like with um comic books, people always come back to life somehow. I mean, they kind of burned their bridge with Scarlet, but there's always the potential that she could come back and do something else. Who knows? I thought they settled and then yeah. they were looking forward to working with her on future projects. So maybe the bridges haven't been burnt. Um, they but gave enough she- money to <laughs> keep that bridge. <laughs> maybe. I would hope so. Yeah. I think she deserves I don't know if that means she'll come back as Black Widow or if it just means she hasn't severed her ties with Disney mm. entirely. So she'll work yeah. on other Disney 
movies projects I don't know yeah yeah honestly like the Marvel Universe is such a huge part of Disney like I feel like it was in their best interest to keep her on board. Oh, goodness. Like, she was totally in her eye as well. Yeah. You don't want to do that. <laughs> don't want to do that. No, no, no. Yeah, I really liked it. And I think the humor was fun. Yeah, very fun. As I said, it's very, like, Marvel. Yeah, it's very Marvel. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's hard to say other than it's just very Marvel. It's very seen. quippy. Yeah. One-liners. Yeah, one-liners. Yeah. 100% one-liners. Yeah, we still haven't watched Shang-Chi. Sadly, <laughs> every week it burns at us. Yeah, one day we'll be like really excited and be able to say we watched it. But it's not this week. Not this week. <laughs> but what have we watched this week? Oh, another killer transition. Well, speaking of Halloween that we were talking about like 30 minutes ago. Yeah, and, and female helmet. And women that kill. <laughs> yeah. We watched Jennifer's Body this week, which is a 2009 rom. No, not rom com. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's definitely not a romance. It is a horror slash comedy, I would say. Mm, yes. And it was written by Diablo Cody, who we talked about a few weeks ago, um, who wrote Juno. Um, so Jennifer's Body stars Amanda Seyfried and Megan Fox. The conversation around this movie has really pivoted. Yeah, done a whole 180. This movie, when it came out in 2009, the infamous story is that it was marketed terribly. It was very much marketed towards males, mm. <laughs> but it was written by females. Potentially for females. For females. So I think the famous thing is that if you look at all the posters that were released and a lot of the trailers, it really just focuses on Megan Fox. So you don't even get the sense that Amanda Seyfried's another character in it, like, you know, the co-lead. And it really just focused on how hot she was and sexy. And it, and it was kind of marketed as like, go see like 90 minutes of Megan Fox being hot. I think one of the directors, what she says is she and Diablo Cody saw the marketing materials and like emailed the studio like, oh, I don't think this is like representing mm -hmm. our movie in the best way and then she got like an email from the producers that was like jennifer hot um she's still your boyfriend like that was the only response that she got so it was just like <laughs> from the get-go people weren't taking it seriously i mean is that email wrong no it's not wrong but it doesn't i don't think and I don't disagree with the the movie poster. So if you see the movie poster, she's wearing like a very sexy schoolgirl outfit. Maybe the outfit should have changed, to be honest. Mm. But I think it says... It says, hell yes. Hell yes. Okay. So yeah. it's kind of like showing very like fun teenage horror slasher kind of vibe, which I'm not against. I think it was mainly like, yeah, the trailer where it shows the it's a, it's a kiss between mm. her and Amanda Seyfried's character it really is a point in time as well in Megan Fox's career where everyone just sort of saw her as a, like a sex symbol like yeah. coming off um, of Transformers. Transformers and I think at this point she was doing a lot of like photo shoots and all that sort of stuff which are very much for the male gaze I guess so they marketed towards that being like do you want to see Megan Fox be hot for, 30, for 90 minutes and then a lot of people came into the movie thinking, okay, we're going to I'm going to see Megan. <laughs> and, you know, she does do some of that. Yeah. But she also does some other things in the movie, which are yeah. not sexy, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there are some distinct, like, themes in this movie that probably would be more relatable to women. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> so I think a lot of people probably went to this movie expecting one thing and getting something else. And I think that really resulted in some terrible reviews. The Rotten Tomatoes is like 44% or something. 
And one of like the famous reviews was Roger Ebert who said this movie is Twilight for boys. Yeah, which is a weird thing to say because Twilight was for women and like, it was, sorry, it was for girls to like, I don't know, forbidden love, that kind of thing. This is not Twilight. Anything like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely not that. Like we mm. are not going into this thinking, I really want to date Megan Fox. <laughs> yeah. Um. This movie also came out at a time where Megan Fox was kind of being painted as a really unreasonable and hard to work with actress and that was sort of oh she was like getting backlash because she kind of spoke up against the director for Transformers Transformers. what's his Michael Bay Michael Bay yeah she kind of spoke up against him and he like blacklisted her and you know really tarnished her name Diablo Cody as well was also getting backlash after the whole Juno thing and I think like they had the whole world against them when this movie came out so it's no wonder that it got the response that it did yeah I think it's one of those movies where it was released at the wrong time to be honest Mm. Um, and that's why in 2018 there was all these articles revisiting the revisiting this movie especially in light of the whole me too movement and everything Mm. and saying like this movie was just disregarded (laughs) as this type of movie because of the the time frame that it was released in whereas if we had released this movie in 2018 or even now actually we would have seen this in a whole different light it would have been marketed very differently Mm. if we had sort of shifted it to become to reflect sorry what the movie is actually about and set up expectations that way I think yeah this movie was it would definitely be applauded in a lot of ways and sort of turn this movie into now a cult classic. So something that we like despised or <laughs> that a lot of people despised in 2009 has now become like well-loved. And yeah. I think it's also interesting because in 2009, we were in high we were school. 17. Yeah. And I do actually remember this movie coming out. I didn't watch it at that time, but I do remember it. And I remember thinking, this is not a movie for me because I think in my mind, it was about like Megan Fox being like hot. I'm like, oh, this isn't, this isn't mm. a movie for me. Like, <laughs> They're definitely not directing this movie at me. So yeah. I never had any interest in watching it. It was only after those articles came, articles came out that I was like, oh, it's about this. Like I had no idea. Again, it wasn't marketed towards you know, people in our demographic. Yeah. It's such a shame. Like you can only kind of be thankful that it's getting the love that it is right now. But yeah, I kind of really feel sorry for Diablo Cody, for the director, Karen Kusama. Karen Kusama. I feel sorry for like Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried because like this movie that they put so much work into was like shitted on. <laughs> and now people are just like finally waking up to it. Only they released it like 10 years later, I think. Yeah, the world wasn't ready for the it. The world wasn't ready. And it's kind of <laughs> depressing to think that the world wasn't ready because like these themes that it goes into are just like they've been affecting women for so long and the fact that mm-hmm. the world wasn't ready in 2009 is like, God, how long does it take? <laughs> Some of the articles that have come out, they've kind of talked about this being like predictive and sort of ahead of its time in that it actually has sort of addressed the Me Too issues mm. around like abuse of power, the abuse of women um, young men or slash men mm. to gain that power as well i guess well what's the plot of this movie <laughs> to like um, <laughs> they have jennifer hot cheerleader who's best mm. friends with needy who's a bit of a nerdy quiet girl and yeah they're besties and then suddenly jennifer becomes a man-eating demon <laughs> <laughs> and then she develops a taste for boys specifically. Mm, boys, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie is set in a very like small town. The first line in this movie is, what is it? Hell is a teenage girl. Yeah. Which is such a, I mean, it's only four words, but it's strongly, strongly 
enforces the idea of this movie, which is yeah. that beauty, womanhood, teenage girl. We all know this from watching Judo. It sucks. Like, yeah, it's a <laughs> shitty time. It's a shitty time to be a woman. There's so many. There's all your hormones. You know, your relationships with everybody is sort of emphasized. Everything's changing. Maybe you're getting attention that's unwanted. Is I think it's just like a very complicated time, and you're getting mixed messages from the world, like what you should look like what you should eat, what, what you should aspire to, what sort of future you should have. So yeah, hell. <laughs> hell. Uh, and then we do like get introduced to the character of um, Needy and she's in jail. So you can mm. see something's happened. You don't know what at this point. And she's sort of like navigating or sorry, narrating the story from her point of view. And then she, I think you see her get like socially isolated because she's, she's a kicker. She's a kicker. <laughs> yeah. So she kicks the orderlies and she gets put in isolation. I think that's a surprising bit because people probably would have expected Megan Fox's character, Jennifer, to be the main character. But mm-hmm. you kind of like the story really is centered around Needy and she's the main narrator and protagonist yeah, in a way. It's, it's almost from her point of view. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So it kind of is like, does the whole like, well, how did I end up here? Yeah. <laughs> You're probably thinking how I got here, and then like, duh, 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 backwards. <laughs> well, it's her, it's it's her story time, right? You yeah, love the story time. <laughs> how I ended up in juvie. <laughs> so then, fr- from there, we do get the story of how everything happened. So, you know, she introduces her friend Jennifer, who is said hot cheerleader, very hot as we can say, hottie. <laughs> yeah, like come on, like so it's Megan Fox. Yeah, like you know, we all know what she looks like. She's very good looking. Um, and then we have Needy. I think she says San- Sandbox friendship is forever. So kind of establishing mm. that they have been like friends for a really, really long time and being best friends for a long time. And she does make a point to say like um, people are surprised when they say that they're best, when people think that they're best friends because and on one hand is really hot and Needy on the hand the hand is not. Like yeah. it's, a, it's a strange way of saying it, but it's, you know, I guess stereotypically not best friends. You know Needy's a nerd because she wears glasses and like <laughs> round glasses yeah. and wears sweaters and jeans and yeah. Jennifer's in her <laughs> mini skirts. And then we get the scene where Jennifer's saying, Let's go to Melody Bar because there's a band, we're going out tonight, dress cute, which I think means dress not like a zero, but not as hot as Jennifer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So- way that she's described it it's like pretty clear that they've been like you said best friends forever but I think they're at a stage where the friendship has become a bit toxic because they're like really mean to each other and Jennifer's super overbearing and pushy like Needy doesn't want to go to the Melody Bar but Jennifer kind of like peer pressures her into going Needy knows that she has to she can't overstage or overshadow like Jennifer she's sort of there to be the sidekick she can't show her boobs because cleavage like tits are Jennifer's thing so she can only like show her (laughs) midriff (laughs) yeah and it's I guess this dynamic in the friendship has sort of like run throughout the whole movie so Mm. basically both girls they have a really deep understanding of each other like they know each other very well but they also understand their positions in the relationship Mm. um so needy like her name is literally needy (laughs) yeah her name is needy you can tell she like is sort of jealous slash is obsessed slash Mm. really depends on jennifer as well and jennifer at the same time does also depend on needy be there i feel like jennifer is just like really insecure so needy kind of gives her that validation like they're codependent on each other but very codependent 
you know, good way. Like it's probably yeah. that thing where when your best friends were so long that it comes a stage where you, maybe you both change and you could go, go in different like directions in life and maybe it's time to like reevaluate the friendship, but they like, you know, still really love each other and just want to keep that friendship as long as possible. Yeah, of course. And it is also worth noting also that they, they don't really show them having other friends as well. Yeah. Like it's just sort of them too. Even though you see Jennifer be really, really popular, you get the sense that she's really popular with um, boys, but we never see her have friendship with friendships with other girls. Um, and same with Needy. Like they just seem to be their, their rock basically. But I think in a way they sort of become like a toxic relationship and give each other their best, but also their worst. And actually like one thing that we'll come back to, but to mention here is that at the beginning, another student who is actually the anti-abortion girl from Juno, the one who's like, all babies want to be born. She's back. Also being unhelpful. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, where have I seen this girl? Like, Surely there are not that many Asian girls in the mainstream at this point in time. Why do I recognize her? (laughs) She was the one doing her best, keeping babies born with their fingernails. But in here, she's like the one who notices Needy and Jennifer's friendship. And she goes, you're totally lesbian gay, which is something to keep in mind, but we'll come back to. (laughs) (laughs) So everyone knows how like good friends they are. They're always together, it seems. And so when we, so Jennifer turns up at Needy's house and Needy has a boyfriend called Chip who has a Justin Bieber haircut, I have to say. <laughs> Every time I look at him, I'm like, is this like wannabe Justin Bieber? It's Justin Bieber from Baby, like that long hair. Yeah, like yeah. the shaggy hair. Yeah. And I think we get the sense too that he's like also similarly as cool as Needy, which is not not very cool yeah. to him. When she kind of foreshadows like what like things that are happening or what will happen in the future where she ends up in jail, um, we get a picture of him and he's like, the drummist in a marching band or something yeah. of that caliber. He's a bit dweeby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if we want to call it that, he's a bit dweeby. Yeah. And he sort of points out as well that the relationship between her and Jennifer is like, oh, well, why are you doing this stuff for her? He also seemed that, like that he's maybe a little bit controlling. Like he's just like, why Why would you wear that? Like instead mm. of you know, hyping up his girlfriend being like, you look hot or something like that. <laughs> like I can see your like front or something like that like yeah or they're wearing like extremely low-rise jeans in this movie Mm -hmm. it's that era (laughs) yeah but like he's just like sort of making comments about what she's wearing and something just like whatever like he also says like you always do what jennifer tells you to do so yeah he is noticing that maybe this friendship isn't the best for needy (laughs) so jennifer turns up at needy's house they like play fighting at one point and then she like actually pushes needy into the door i was like (laughs) Um, okay. <laughs> I was like, that was a bit hard. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I guess it is sort of like, you know, talking about their relationship that Needy literally gets pushed around. <laughs> it's a very aggressive push. It's very just like a straight up shove. <laughs> and so they end up going to Melody Bar, which is, I guess, because they, they're from a small town, it's the only bar that they have. Yeah, and it's like and a it's- seedy, it's not a club or anything. No, definitely not a club. A club is for rural, I mean, so for urban City kids. people, yeah. <laughs> and it's also funny because we see so many high schoolers here as well. So we're like, <laughs> just town hall. Like, this is just where everyone hangs out. It doesn't necessarily mean you came here to drink, even though I guess all these teenagers are also drinking. But we just like have just a bunch of people really hanging out. And they've gone to actually see a band play. Low Shoulder. Yeah, low shoulder, which she saw in MySpace and was like, they're extra salty. <laughs> salty means you're hot and beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So it's so funny to me because like when the, this band comes in, it's fronted by none other than Seth Cohen. 
<laughs> from the Adam Brady. Brady. Yeah. <laughs> With eyeliner. <laughs> and of course, he's fronting up an indie rock band. Yeah. Uh, which is so of this era as well. They're doing their best sort of Fallout Boy Panic at the yeah. Disco like impression. <laughs> and actually, I did see something where they actually wanted to get Pete Wentz all oh, really? Flash. Joel Madden from Good Charlotte to play this character, but I don't know, maybe they, they were unsuccessful. Probably mm. maybe for the better in terms of how the movie sort yeah. of panned out at this point in time. But yeah, to me, Seth Cohen slash Adam Brody is a very good replacement and totally <laughs> in line with what I expected. And he's like there with his, his like dark eyeliner and his, his moon tattoo. tattoo. Yes. <laughs> and he's like totally moody and everything. Button up shirt and his skinny tie. Yeah, really great. And then Jennifer, she like goes up to them and she's like, Can I buy you a drink? Like, oh my god, I love you guys. Like, you guys are really cool. <laughs> like, she's totally like playing it up because she, you know, she's trying to impress these boys. Mm. You find out that it, you know, even though she's underage, she can get a drink by playing Hello Titty with the bartender, which she does <laughs> successfully. <laughs> and then she gets the American. 9-11 shooters, shots. The 9-11 shooters, which are like red, white, and blue. Yeah, but if you don't drink them too quickly, they go brown. <laughs> yeah, so she gets these shooter drinks and then they start playing this song. And this song has been in my head the whole day, to be honest. Um, I don't want to see it for you guys. I'll spare you that. But basically, they sing this song. And then as we as they start singing this song, the tavern starts burning. Yeah. Like starts sitting on fire. And then they still they just keep playing, and I think you kind of get the idea that they know what's happening, but they're just mm. like, it's suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> um, all the while, everyone's literally burning. It's very, like, violent and shocking. Yeah. Like, people are dying in front of you. Yeah, and then, like, the everything's falling down. Mm. Like It's giving Carrie prom. Oh, gosh. It's like, but it's very quick. I think it's yeah. way quicker than the Carrie version. Yeah. Um, probably a more realistic version, to be honest. Yeah. I think... So there's like a very important conversation that happens at the bar before it burns down, which is that Adam Brody points to Jennifer and he's like to his bandmates, I think she's a virgin. So they think she's a virgin and he's sort of like, oh, like I know girls like her. I grew up in a town like this. They, you know, flirt and they're very um, out there, but they actually like, haven't done anything. And then Needy overhears that. And I think in a way to defend or protect Jennifer, she's like, yeah, she's a virgin. So like, don't go near her. And then when she tells Jennifer, Jennifer's like, I'm not even a backdoor virgin. Like she's clearly very sexually active. She's proud of that. Like that's just who she is. And I think this movie does a really interesting thing where virginity is sort of used as a way to protect yourself. Like society is telling you that's something to be valued. Mm -hmm. Like that's sort of a shield that guys, you know, won't go near you or will respect you more in a way if you are a virgin. But then I think later on you find out that Jennifer's lack of virginity is something that ends up protecting her. Mm -hmm. I guess also we see that Needy, because it's a small town, Needy is probably of Christian background. Actually, she is of Christian background. There is a cross. There is um, a cross, yeah. So you're probably like, you can see why that would be something that she would defend Jennifer with, even if it's not true. It's Mm -hmm. sort of not clear whether she thinks it's true or not. It's just like something she just says automatically because she's like, don't talk crap about my best friend, basically. She's like, yeah, she is very much defending her. And so this band do think that uh, Jennifer is a virgin. And they're keeping that in mind. (laughs) Remember that. (laughs) And then, yeah, so they escape this burning tavern. Jennifer is like deeply traumatized. She's sort of like in a trance. Adam Brody's character, like you're you're already like this guy's a bit of a weirdo, like what's up with him? Because she's like, Oh, you're in a state of shock. Great. Come into my van, just come with me. And then they sort of like lead Jennifer to their van and take her away. And at this point, Needy's like, girl, let's go home. Like, don't go with these creeps. Let's let's just leave. Like we have a car. And Jennifer just like 
follows the guys and gets into the van. She does tell Nadie to come with her, mm-hmm. um, but Nadie refuses because seems suspicious. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But she doesn't also stop Jennifer from leaving either. Mm-hmm. And I think you see in her face, she's just like a little bit in shock as well as to what's happening. Yeah. I mean, they've just survived a burning building. Yeah. So Jennifer's in shock. Needy's also, I guess you can say, in shock. But you can see on her face that she's probably like a little bit confused as well. This is probably where the relationship between her and Jennifer is in play, where she's you know, she, she respects Jennifer and her decisions, but also like that need to be with her constantly mm. and stuff like that. It's sort of like tearing her apart. And so she chooses not to say anything and lets her get into the span. And then she goes home and yeah. then she calls Chip and she's like, this thing happened. I'm scared. I don't know what happened with Jennifer. Like she's like now realizing what's happened and she's actually scared, I suppose. And Chip, on the other hand, is kind of like relax she just said the only tavern in the whole town burned down like <laughs> and then she's talking about how she can smell like the burning people and stuff I'm like how are you not worried about this girl how are you not driving to your girlfriend's house immediately yeah he was like oh, should I come there or not I'm like yes. what you shouldn't <laughs> ask you should just be there <laughs> yeah it just really seems like he, he's not taking it very seriously I think like that scene with um Jennifer for leaving with the guys and needy just like watching that's probably something i don't know that a girls in particular f- are familiar with like being scared of leaving your female friend alone in a bar or at a club and having that sort of like fear of danger in a way but i think this also makes reference to the fact that i think some people might look at jennifer and be like oh what an idiot like why would she go with the guys that's stupid it's dangerous and one thing megan fox has said about this movie and in relation to me too is like she has her own stories that she could tell but she's never felt safe enough to say it because she's not the perfect victim she's a sex symbol like people would just be like she asked for it uh something like mm-hmm. that and I think that kind of plays into this where Jennifer's not the perfect victim like she doesn't she like walks in with them she doesn't do the things that we're told to do which is like fight or go home mm-hmm. with your friend don't walk around at night she does the in quotation marks wrong things but she's still a victim and she still deserves our sympathy like it doesn't excuse anything but it does make you think of that I think that's probably a deliberate thing yeah I mean when we see her go into the van you can deeply see that she's not in her right state of mind she's she's so shocked and traumatized she's yeah. just thinking oh yeah like I should be with other people she's not really thinking of who Mm. it is, where they're going, what they're doing. And the guys are clearly taking advantage of her in that state. Yeah, of course. Like, they know that she's a fan. They already, like, there's not much that they have to do to convince her, really. And also to say that she's a teenager. Like, she's, by no means, an adult. She's a kid. She might be drinking alcohol, but that doesn't make her an adult at all. She's not mature enough to sort of understand maybe their intentions she also is quite innocent in a way even though she talks about like you know using her body to like get things like she's just a child like she's Mm. just like doing things for fun and not thinking of the consequences of stuff because she shouldn't have to she's a child well I think the movie is sort of like she uses her body to get things because that's sort of the box society has put her in like She's a hottie, so that's all people see her as. So she's sort of like being like, okay, well, then I'll use my body. Like you told me, then that's all I'm good for. So why not? Yeah, it's just basically using the assets that people have said you have. And it's just like, well, yeah, Yeah. sure. (laughs) But yeah, so Needy is like at home, it's all dark. This is a creepy scene because I kept feeling like there'd be a jump scare. (laughs) (laughs) There sort of is. Like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) 
it's it's like it's a vision that you may not be expecting in in that case but yeah she goes downstairs it's totally dark and creepy the the door there's a knock on the door and she's like looking outside and there's no one there and she's by herself as well her mom's in night she's on the phone with chip mm. But, I mean, Chip is no help, let's be real. Chip is useless. Yes. <laughs> and so she, yeah, she's wandering out. And then she finds Jennifer in the kitchen and she is, like, covered oh. in blood. Like, she's obviously been attacked. She still has that look on her face where, you know, she's not really there. She's not present. She starts eating a whole rotisserie chicken out of the fridge. You know, she chucks it on the ground and she tears it with her hands. And then she, like, shoves it in her mouth. And then she uh, immediately, like, vomits out this black Spiky booster tog. Yeah. Like, yeah that, this it's is gross. <laughs> Poor Needy's just like, what the Yeah, fuck? I mean, understandably. Like, this is pretty wild stuff. Yeah. And this is, I guess, the first indication of that she's been possessed by a demon because fuck vomit is very, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> Not a usual it's associated demon with demons, I suppose, is what I'm getting at. And then, yeah, she's just obviously very shocked and she doesn't know what to do, but she's still also trying to help Jennifer because she can see that she's in a state of need, even though she is doing mm. stuff that's sort of like supernatural. She doesn't really like go away from her. She does try to help her. And then poor Needy, she has to clean that all up before I know. school. You see her like scrubbing the floor yeah. crying. <laughs> it's pretty gross, <laughs> to be honest. It's pretty, I would not yeah. know what to do and then like the next day so needy's at school and she's like everyone's talking about the thing that's happened and it's sort of because it's, it's a small town this whole news has been sort of like sensationalized in a way and everyone's talking about it and not in a way that's potentially like sympathetic like people are sad about it mm. but like they're making drama out they of it are really as well. like oh my god this yeah. happened this thing happened to our town it's so big it just really feels like needy at this point is the only one who's like genuinely authentically like affected by this and maybe it's because she was mm. there whereas everyone else who is talking about it wasn't there they just like heard about it um, in the news or mm. from a person who knew someone or something like that and then she's totally not expecting jennifer to turn up but then jennifer rocks up and she's looking glowing her she's looking amazing <laughs> her hair is like luscious she's wearing a cute outfit oh. and it's just like eyes are sparkling lips are perfect red and needy at this point is like what is happening because I scrubbed all that vomit off the floor yesterday I did not imagine that but what's happening yeah and Jennifer's just like I don't know like I feel amazing she just goes like you need a manicure you should get some Chinese chick to buff your situation (laughs) yeah so by all means like Jennifer is sort of acting normally I guess she's just like I don't know what what you're talking about and Needy's like am I going Mm. insane like yeah what is happening (laughs) The next thing you see is like Jennifer approaching a footballer at at mm-hmm. school. So I think his brother died in the big fire. So he's like obviously grieving and sad and she like lures him into the forest, like full flirts with him. You see all these like animals gather, like they know something's going to happen. And then obviously she like beats him. Yeah, she lures him in that way. It's almost like that, like the sexual act has become like the eating of mm. said human boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's sort of like evil disney princess because like there's like rabbits and deers all following her yeah a bit weird yeah you realize jennifer has become this demon that's eating all these boys and then you see like you know the footballer his mom finds out about the murder and she's crying and so jennifer's not like killing necessarily bad people she's just like eating boys like there are innocent victims in all this so you know mm-hmm. that she's not just like I don't know, targeting people for revenge. She's just eating boys because she needs to. Yeah, that's what's um, giving her her glow. 
Yeah, she looks beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And um, the, the way that we say that she needs to eat this is that um, she turns up to school and Need is like, no offense, but you look really tired. And you can see that her skin isn't as glistening and she does look quite like she's got bags around her eyes and her outfit isn't as cute. And then you can she sort of makes a reference that I think it's wearing off and Needy's like, mm. what's wearing off? Like she's she's not really aware of what's happening. Well, Jennifer says like, I have like acne, my hair is shit. And she goes, now I look like one of the normal girls because even <laughs> though she's like, not as glowy. She's still Megan Fox. So I'm glad they like, still pointed out that she's still like she's still extremely hot. hot. Yeah. yeah. She's <laughs> At still her worst. Yeah. Like I think the whole point is that she still has like a lure even at her lowest point because mm. sort of that is her main draw, I guess. You know, when she needs to feed, she still needs to use some sort of a lure. And then yeah. we get that Green Day looking boy. Yeah. <laughs> With all the piercings. Yeah, so it, it's been established at this point that he's friends with Needy. Um, oh, his name's Colin. Oh, that's right. His name's Colin. Yeah. He's like friends with Needy and I think at one point Chip is actually jealous of him because yeah. they're friends. He's like, why are you guys friends? And it's just like, yeah, like he's a really Needy good writer. Needy can have other friends, you know. But yeah, Chip. she's like, he's really he's a really talented writer. What yeah. do you mean? <laughs> and then I think the guy asked Jennifer out and at first she's just like, no, like why <laughs> do you want to go watch the rocky horror movie and she's like i don't like boxing mm, yeah but then i guess like she finds out that needy is friends with him and needy's like no i think he's a really good guy and here you see jennifer sort of be jealous of needy yeah. getting other friends. Like other friends yeah, yeah. so that's what, what prompts her to like she's like yeah you know what i will go out i will go you. out yeah and then she's like but we can like go to my house instead and then she gives him this address that he turns yeah. up he turns up to it's I think um there's a like scene of him driving and you can tell that it's like quite far I think just from the scene it's like this is not where she lives <laughs> it, it sort of looks like, like an abandoned back. lot yeah it's super creepy yeah. it's like half built yeah um, and then I think they were playing some like Usher song or something yeah 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 <laughs> so you're like oh yeah she's here <laughs> Yeah. And at the same time, Needy is also like, she's with Chip. Yeah. And they're sort of like getting it on, you know, like they're dating. Like, so it's kind of like juxtaposing these two scenes where Jennifer is sort of like seducing this Colin guy and you know that she wants to feed. Yeah. It's so clear that he's going (laughs) to die. Yeah. It's so clear. At the same time, Chip and Needy are sort of like making out and like, getting intimate and it's sort of like very different vibes <laughs> um, on one end they are both like having sexual encounters but one of them is very like more I guess energized and more how would you describe it like high energy I don't know what, what is that <laughs> I mean going back to the beginning where we mentioned lesbian gay one of the things that has come out more recently is like a queer reading of this movie and looking mm. at Needy and Jennifer's relationship and potentially seeing that, you know, they like each other more than friends. So one of the interpretations, I guess, of this scene is like, even though Needy is having sex with Chip, she's like not into it. She, she somehow has a connection to Jennifer and she's seeing visions of Jennifer like seducing and like attacking Colin. Mm-hmm. And she's distracted by that. I actually found this scene so funny because Chip's going away oh, yeah. at her. <laughs> And then Chip's just trying his best. He's giving yeah. it his all. And Needy, like, makes some sounds and 
Yeah, and he mistakes that as her being into him. And he's like, whereas she's actually being distracted and seeing visions of Jennifer eating Colin. So she's like not like really engaging with the sex with Chip. And he's just like, am I too big? And like complimenting himself. Yeah. Like, I'm oh, like, you wish. Yeah. It's like, oh, does it hurt? And yeah. Am I like, too big? He's, he's, he's definitely mistaking some sort of connection there. Yeah. There's this look on his face. He was like, fuck, I'm doing a great job. Yeah. It's so funny as well because the scene seems so mure almost by comparison to what's happening on the other end. It's so boring. Like the sex is not, it's dull. (laughs) Yeah. It's a little bit that. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, (laughs) Chip. Definitely like when you compare it to like the the high energy, Mm. sexual energy that's coming from Jennifer and her trying to seduce and she's very much using her body. Um, she's not, she's very confident as well. And, you know, she's just hungry really, but she's, <laughs> <laughs> and then we see like scenes which are almost sexual in nature of her, like eating Colin, Colin. Yeah. yeah, like, like literally like ripping him apart and her jaw like becomes unhinged and everything. Yeah. Like it's, she's full. like drinking his blood and like soaking herself in it. And there's like, you know, candles and stuff like that, but Ooh. it's all just like, oh, this is like very fiery compared to this, like very, there's like a lot of passion yeah. versus yeah, bland. Chip is just trying, but is not doing yeah. it. I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> I like laughed so hard. He had just had that look on his face, like I'm crushing this. Then he goes like, "Am I too big?" And I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, this overconfident boy. Yeah, I mean, it's very young. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. And yeah, later on, you find out he 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 was like, we had sex for four minutes. He was giving like the best four minute performance of his life. Yeah. <laughs> Go chip. Go chip. <laughs> and then of course Jennifer is flourishing after this encounter. She is thriving. She's living her best life. And then like you find out that she's sort of self-healing, like she can't be hurt because she's calling needy. And then she like burns her tongue with a lighter. Yeah, and then you see like, yeah, it, you know, burns up and then instantly heals. And she's like, I am a god. And Needy's like, what are you on about? Yeah, I was going to say, is this the scene where she does the lighter thing? Because that's like a pretty iconic imagery mm. <laughs> that I associate with this movie. Like, mm. she's not already a confident girl. And I think this possessed demon inside of her has really like propelled this part of her to be like even more like, I am so in control of my body. My body can do anything. Mm. I'm self-healing. I'm literally a god. I'm indestructible. Yeah, she's indestructible right at this point. Yeah. And I think after this whole uh, sex scene, like Needy is driving and she runs into Jennifer being all bloody and knows that something is happening. And then Jennifer sneaks her way into Needy's house and that's when they like kiss. And then Jennifer says something like, I could never hurt you. So you can see like even though she has that demon inside of her, Mm-hmm. She like it knows to draw the line at needy and and I think this kiss is something that was like in the media a lot like ooh Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried like lesbian kiss ooh titillating yeah. for the boys but I think there's enough like cues in the beginning of the movie like throughout to suggest that there is some sort of connection between them that might be beyond friendship that it sort mm-hmm. of makes sense if we were like um to compare to John Tucker Must Die where there is like a a, a kiss scene between the two girls that's just like. There's no reason for that. It was just randomly popped in. And the whole point of that scene is for a guy to look at it and be like, that's hot. Whereas I think there's more meaning to it in this movie. So like, I, I guess what you were saying, um, that this was, this particular scene was something that was really advertised or marketed mm. in at the time of this movie's release. 
um, for those reasons that you mentioned, like it is just sort of like soft porn, basically. Yeah. Hot girls kissing. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. John Tucker must die. It is basically that, which is because it's so shallow. It's just, oh, I'm going to teach you how to kiss, but it does it in such a like sexual way where it's like not really warranted. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in this case, we already know that these girls are very dependent on each other. They have a relationship that is that is beyond simply just being friends. Mm-hmm. And to me, I still am on the fence of like whether it's actually sexual in nature. I think um, we could go like either way in terms of mm-hmm. interpretation. Like, yeah, like they are actually like someone hand that you don't actually love each other like in a sexual way. But on the other hand, this is sort of like a way of expressing their dependency in an even mm-hmm. more overt way. Even though this kiss is seen as very like passionate, they don't regret it when they stop kissing. Um, they sort of just like, oh, like, you know, let's draw the line somewhere. I don't know. It's kind of weird because there is definitely love in that friendship. But again, I sort of like, I don't know whether it is yeah. meant to be like a sexual love or like a, just a deep friend mm-hmm. love but because that, that line has been drawn because they are so dependent and now they kind of like see each other as one that it is the, the line has sort of blurred a little bit in terms of their friendship. Mm. I think people also see it as like Jennifer sort of attempting to put some power back into that relationship. She knows that Needy is sort of picking up on all these things that are happening, that people are dying, that Jennifer is walking around with blood all over her, that she might have something to do with it. So she doesn't want Needy to like reveal this secret of hers. So I think, yeah, Needy is saying something like, I'm going to reveal this. And then Jennifer's like, you know, I think you should see a therapist about these weird ideas you're having. Like it's very much clear like don't tell anyone I could hurt you as well like I have the power mm-hmm. now yeah mm-hmm. or I'm even more powerful than I was like she's yeah. always been the bossy one in the relationship yeah 100% and then this is I guess where you get the flashback back to the day of the bar burning down and you see what actually happened to Jennifer because at this point you, you just know she went into the van and she came back as a demon but you don't know what happened and what Adam Brody's character had to do with it so yeah you see Jennifer going to the van you know the reality of it dawns on her and she asks like are you guys rapists? They think she's a virgin. She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a virgin. So like, I don't even know how to do sex. So you should like, let me go. Like, just please let me go. And I think this part of the movie is probably like very sad and tragic and very confronting. Mm -hmm. Like it's clearly a metaphor for rape or like some sort of sexual assault. Yeah. Yeah. She's obviously at this point realized that she's in danger. These guys are taking her somewhere where she doesn't want to be or she doesn't feel safe. Mm. They take her to a waterfall. So basically this waterfall has been established as being the devil's kettle, I think. Mm. So a waterfall that is so deep that you can't see anything that's going to be pushed in. And it is a really like confronting scene because we are sort of faced with these four boys who you know they have all the power this girl who's just been through a traumatic event she's very young she's been tied up she's very scared and they're going to perform some sort of satanic ritual but they like the way that they do it is like you know yes you know that it's impending because we all know what happens to jennifer at the end but they start like singing and like Mm. making a mockery of it almost which makes it even like worse like yeah like feeling that she has no power and then they're just like um, yeah I'm, I'm reminded of like a clockwork orange like that scene where he's just like singing singing in the rain and then he's mm. about to like rape this woman like it's basically that in this movie where they have all the control she has none of it at all anyway so they do perform this ritual they do like stab her and like kill her I guess but I guess the idea is because she actually isn't a virgin it does doesn't really backfire on them it's it's more she she can live yeah, the reason they're doing this ritual as well is because they want to become famous. They're yeah. like, they're like it's really hard to be an indie band. Like, there's so many yeah. of us. We're all so cute. It's like really hard to stand out. So the only mm-hmm. way we can do it is like 
make an offering to Satan, like this is our last resort. (laughs) Yeah, I guess this is the part where we're like, oh, okay, this is like also something that happens a lot in, I guess, real life, (laughs) real life, but also strictly like the entertainment industry Mm. as well. Like people just trampling on young women to just get ahead. Yeah. And it's, yeah, extremely sad. Jennifer's like pleading for her life, just Mm -hmm. begging. And then they're laughing and they're just completely not human at this point. They have no compassion or empathy for her. And then, yeah, they just stab her. And like you said, this is probably like the bit that sort of satirizes horror movies as well, because in a lot of horror movies, you have like the, I think it's a whole concept of the final girl where the girl who Mm -hmm. does survive is like the pure virginal type. Whereas Mm -hmm. in here, Jennifer's promiscuity in a sense is the thing that protects her and stops her from dying. Yeah. Yeah. This is where the... The revenge comes in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she, she really uses this as not revenge on those guys in particular, but just like revenge on males in general <laughs> who are overpowering or misusing their power. So even though we don't see that these men that she's attacking or eating in general are people who portray these traits, it's just more like a general male. Mm. Well, yeah. I think it's sort of like, this is obviously, like, she's a victim of the patriarchy. Like, she's been assaulted. Her body has been traumatized. And she has to live live with, like, the consequences of this assault in the form of, like, this demonic possession inside of her. And I think the fact that, like, the victims are just, like, regular guys as well, not necessarily people have wronged her, is like, this system is bad for everyone. Like, it's bad for men. It's bad for women. Like, it just sucks across the board. Like, Everyone loses in this, you know, toxic masculinity, all that stuff as well. So it's like, this sucks and no one should be a fan of it. Well, no. And that's why this scene is so confronting because we're all like, it's just, yeah, it's hard to watch. Yeah. So, I mean, this is like, yeah, she actually tells Needy everything that happened. So this is her relating. We're watching it as she relates it to Needy. I think from here we get the prom or like leading up to the prom. Well, you have Needy doing her research. Like, there's always, like, a reach, research scene. I feel uh, like we've seen that in Twilight with Bella looking up vampires, Carrie looking up telekinesis. She looks yeah. it up and she finds out she's a succubus. Am I pronouncing that right? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> and then she tries to tell Chip. She's like, Chip, Jennifer's a demon and she's eating men. And Chip's like, girl, I think you need to see a therapist. Like, none of this makes sense. And I feel like I mean, on one hand, you can't really blame him. Because it's an insane story. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those ones where it's like, yeah, it is an insane story. But is it that insane? Because we're seeing all these like dead boys turn up. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like something's happening. I think he's so so in his own little world. We almost see him as like, you know, a very sheltered boy Mm -hmm. where nothing bad happens. He's really good at sex. He's really, (laughs) he's just so good. (laughs) He's like living in his own little cloud here. And whereas, you know, things are actually happening. Like we've seen Jennifer basically raped. She's been killed. There are definitely murders happening in this town. The whole tavern freaking burnt down and he's still like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) And then I guess it's also maybe a reflection of like girls not being believed by mm, I think so, yeah. people as well even when they sound a bit silly or something that doesn't seem plausible it isn't a question like you know the answer is straight away there's nothing wrong with you rather than mm. why do you think this like mm. do you have a good reason because the, I guess the other thing is he has a relationship with needy they do have conversations you know stuff like that so why is this the conversation now that you're thinking is too weird to be believed mm. yeah. why, why can't you just sit down and be like all right, tell me what's Tell up. me more and, like, let me, like, how do I help you? Yeah. 
Why have you come to this conclusion? Everything else you've said in your life has been plausible. Why is this the one that you say <laughs> is not? Like yeah. that, that's how I would uh, thought, especially um, coming from someone who has just gone through something. Like she's, mm. she was part of that, the fire. Like she was there. She's a teenage girl. It's big. Let's all like sort of be more empathetic of people. Yeah, let's like support it. your girlfriend better. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And then you get this whole getting ready for prom scene. And I I do want to ask you, Nita's prom dress, her whole outfit, what are I, your thoughts? Okay. <laughs> this is 2008, but I'm yeah. going to tell you that no one in 2008 wore this. No one. Like this. <laughs> um, it's sort of weird. I think it's, it's sort of meant to indicate that she is just like a dorky girl who doesn't care what she looks like because it does sort of look like she's being dressed by her mom. Her mom is doing her hair, like curling it and stuff like yeah. that. It seems like a dress her mom would have wanted prom, like from the 80s or something. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I think it's just meant to show that it's not her. Like she's just doing whatever that is like, that society is telling her to do. So she's doing the bare minimum, which is just kind of like putting on a dress and showing up. Yeah. It's <laughs> a huge puffy pink. It's not. Oh, it's so ruffly yeah. and puffy and her hair is huge and curly. It's, it's very it's a look. It's very- it's a very dated look as well. So I think. dated. And no one else looks like her at prom. Like, she clearly stands out. I think it's just meant to be, like, yeah, a reflection of her character rather than um, the time. Because when we see other people's dresses, they look kind of normal. <laughs> yeah, of the time yeah. at least. Yeah. Of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And then we see Chip also getting ready for prom. Um, and his mom hands him, like, a pepper spray, but it's, like, yeah. branded pink as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, clearly, yeah, clearly this is a pepper spray for women, which is a weird thing to market to us Jenna but we all know why it's been yeah. done that way and so she's like you know you never know like it's dangerous world for boys out there <laughs> <laughs> so he ends up going to prom as well and, and he's then, walking he's on his way so he's, walking, there. he's walking to prom and then he's just like by himself in the dark and then of course who approaches him but our Miss Jennifer, Jennifer Jennifer in her white gown yeah, and a beautiful, very beautiful, a beautiful, pure white gown. Yeah, <laughs> with um, a little bit of black. Yeah, look, but yeah. Um, and then she approaches him, and you know what she wants. <laughs> it's so obvious. <laughs> Chip thinks he knows what she wants, but he doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, so she kind of concocts a lie where she's like, "Oh, Needy and Colin had a thing going," and mm-hmm. you know, just plays it up to Chip. She's like, "I felt so bad. I can't believe Needy did that to you. Like, that's so mean. Let's hang out." <laughs> Yeah, let's hang out in this abandoned building right over there. Yeah. <laughs> Not even at other school, just, you know, somewhere else. I had one and, prepared right over there. Yeah, so he, like, you can see that he sort of believes Jennifer, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, he does believe this lie. And then, yeah, they, like, sit in this, like, weird pool, abandoned, I don't know, it's, mm. like, a very creepy place. It's overgrown with, like, all these plants. The water's really dirty. And then they, like, make out a bit. And I guess, meantime, at the prom... Needy is watching the show and it's actually the band Low Shoulder. They're back and they've, and like mm-hmm. throughout this whole movie, they've sort of become heroes of the town. They dedicate mm-hmm. like the song they sang to the victims of the fire, only 3% of the profits. But like people think they're like full on heroes and you can't say one bad word about them. And then you see like, I guess the sacrifice has worked because they're super successful now. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's watching them play at the prom and she realizes that Chip isn't here. Jennifer's not here. Oh my God, I have to go say Chip. <laughs> I think also Needy again has that connection with Jennifer beyond like telepathic sort of vibe right yeah you can tell that they are very deeply bonded and it's they did like a 
blood packed thing when they were kids. Yeah. Yeah. They are very deeply bonded. And so she runs and then is able to find them very quickly. <laughs> Just in the nick of time, really. When she finds them, Jennifer has her mouth on Chip's neck. Yeah, she's already started having a snack. Yeah, she's having a little <laughs> nibble, um, an appetizer, I suppose. Yeah. And she finds them and then obviously it's like almost finding themselves in a very like lewd act being promiscuous or something and then you know i think at this point jennifer levitates as well like so you see that she's like she's super like powerful she's like riding high on this power that she's been given you know she is feeling like a god she's feeling like she's on top of the world and she yeah i think um it's really funny in this scene because uh needy dives in to save chip from jennifer and like they spray her with the pepper spray and then they kind of create some distance so there is time to talk and the conversation they have like the fight they have is such a teenage fight like it's it's quite funny because when she starts hovering and chip is like oh my god she can fly and needy's like she's just hovering it's not that impressive and she's immediately like defensive and be like it's not that cool like <laughs> they have this sort of jealousy going on yeah. and then Jennifer's like, nice insult, Hannah Montana. Needy accuses her of being insecure. And Jennifer's like, how could I be insecure? I was like snowflake queen two years in a row. And it's like Mm. all these petty jabs at each other. Like Needy also says something like, you're only relevant when you didn't need laxatives to stay skinny. Really catty, petty insults that are just so teenage. It's like a fight between best friends, right? Yeah, We can still clearly see that even at a point where Jennifer is actually a dangerous person she's about to kill like her boyfriend the insults they throw at each other are very personal yeah they're um, so personal and they, it shows how deeply they know each other like needy knows mm-hmm. jennifer is insecure and she knows that mm-hmm. jennifer really relies on her body and they're all just very pointed personal insults it's very reminiscent of like any teenage girls fight with their best friend i think i think girls would have found that very familiar yeah like it's very mean girls right <laughs> Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think Jennifer is really the epitome of a mean girl. Choosing through high school based on these values that only people in high school really value. Yeah. (laughs) From here, we see that I think Chip manages to hurt Jennifer as well. The pool skimmer. Yeah, it like drives it through her body. Yeah, drives through. And it doesn't kill her, but it does hurt her. And then, unfortunately for everybody, Chip passes. Um, And nothing of value was lost. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like... Not Whatever. Really sad about him, to be honest. I think it was not that great. Yeah. But anyway. When she, like, gets stabbed, like, Jennifer looks at the hole in her body. She's like, do you have a tampon? Like, you look like you might be plugging. <laughs> I think also throughout this whole movie, I mean, we, we have said that Diaba Cody wrote this movie. I think her touch is very evident throughout, you know, with the mm. cutesy dialogue, which sort of really grounds it in its teenageness and also really grounds like that they are just kids really mm. playing around with things that they probably shouldn't be playing around with. It is an interesting choice, I think, to have all these like, you know, little one-liners and what do you call it? Like jargon or like, um, not jargon. Or like slang and pop culture references and all that. Yeah, sort of stuff. All, all, yeah. Those, all the slang that they use. Um, yeah. You're just jello. Your lime green jello. <laughs> and in some, in some cases, you're kind of like, maybe it's too much. But in other ways, I think it's sort of necessary in this movie. Because in a lot of ways, it kind of toes the line of like horror comedy. Mm. I think the dialogue keeps it firmly like this is definitely 
Like comedy. Yeah. yeah. This is yeah. a comedy and not strictly horror. So yeah, Chip dies, RIP Chip and his big dick. <laughs> and then Needy is obviously enraged and she like goes to Jennifer's house and she's like, you killed my boyfriend. And I think her plan is to kill Jennifer. She like literally goes there with a box cutter. Yeah, her, her intentions are clear at this point. She's she's mad at Jennifer for taking away something. I think this is like, this is the last straw. Yeah, like you always undermine me. You're always jealous yeah. of me. Now you've killed my boyfriend. This is too far. And then have like a levitating match. (laughs) (laughs) They have a fight. And it kind of like ends when Needy rips the best friend Mm -hmm. necklace off Jennifer and you kind of yeah. Like that sort of severs their connection in a way. Yeah, like they're struggling midair and then when she rips off the necklace, she's sort of like, maybe she's in shock or something. Yeah. And then she just like sort of lets herself fall and then Needy's able to stab her um, in the heart to... I guess, finish her off. Jennifer says, my tit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she sort of like gives in to the fact that Needy has won the struggle. Mm. Jennifer is able to, I guess, RIP in this case. And then her mom walks in and is like, horrified, clearly. Obviously, clearly. (laughs) Water is dead on her bed. And then Needy is, she is not, what's the word? She is exhausted and also relieved. Mm. She's like ridded. This evil, like, I think she knew that Jennifer was too far gone and, like, the only way to fix this was to kill her. Like, that's, that was, yeah, that was her responsibility in a way. She fulfilled it. I mean, evil in a lot of ways, evil in her life before, you know, said toxic mm. relationship is that, but also toxic to the town at this point and toxic to herself. So, yeah, it was sort of a day that needed to be done. It's interesting that I guess she then gets prosecuted for murder like she goes yeah. to jail clearly because she goes fair enough yeah. yeah i mean yeah yeah so you killed your friend and also didn't show any mercy i guess that doesn't bode well in court does it yeah well <laughs> well the thing you find out like you go back to now you're caught up to the beginning of the movie and mm-hmm. she's in solitary and then she starts levitating because you find out mm-hmm. that during the tussle like jennifer had bit her and apparently according to law when a demon bites you you also like inherit their powers when a demon bites you and you are able to survive so yeah she does levitate and she's able to literally walk out of prison she just (laughs) marches out of there she's like i'm out stomps on the glass window and then just marches out somehow walks all the way to low shoulder (laughs) and and where no she doesn't walk there she 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 hitchhikes yeah um but yeah she's able to i guess fulfill the revenge Jennifer deserves as well so Mm. even though she sort of severed the ties in the relationship she hasn't forgotten about Jennifer and really wants to bring her existence to justice as well so she yeah she seeks out low shoulder and she goes on a bit of a rampage I would say um using them the knife yeah yeah so sort of like poetic justice I would say R.I.P. Adam Brody yeah and their weird moon Tattoo cult. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She banishes all of them, kills them all, and then she like walks out of the hotel like a boss. And I guess that's where the movie ends. You don't know what happened to her. You don't know if she survived or if she got caught. But yep, that's how the movie ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a banger of a movie. I like reading the reviews. I'm so offended on like the movie's behalf. It's so strange because even though the movie was like marketed a certain way and definitely if you had an expectation that this is going to be a sexy, porno kind of sexy vibe, and yes, obviously you would be very disappointed walking into this movie and then being like, 
that was not what I expected. I get that. But also as a film critic, shouldn't you also just divulge into like what the movie actually is? Mm. It's not often that it happens, I guess, but it does happen. So I don't know. (laughs) It's sort of a weird thing. And I think it is just because of a lot of contextual influences happening at that time where people have sort of come in with an expectation based purely on Megan Fox's reputation at this time. Also coming off like Juno as well. Yeah, maybe it's sort of those things or maybe it's just – yeah, it's just a movie that's just way too ahead of its time. Maybe the topics are really too confronting to have been perceived properly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's sort of a weird thing because I think now that we look at a lot of things that have happened in the past 10 to 20 years, we sort of wonder why things like that could have ever happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about Britney Spears and like the conservatorship, but also like her treatment in the media. And we all sat and watched it happen like it was normal. So yeah. maybe this movie is just, yeah, it was just, again ahead of its time and then so therefore not appreciated uh, for what it was it's a, it's a weird thing because yeah we walk at it now and I'm like oh it's so obvious what this movie was trying to do yeah it's weird like even like Britney like I guess um one of the most shocking factors was like how weirdly the media scrutinized like her virginity like the same thing to Jessica Simpson yeah just how that plays out in the media as well you know often in horror movies or movies in general women are punished for like their sexual desires or like their promiscuity so I think like you know very clearly Diablo Cody was trying to like subvert that and show that that's actually something that protects and like empowers Jennifer and allows her to like survive this brutal attack on her body and like kind of reclaim it and exact revenge on I don't know the people who allow that sort of system to continue to exist. I think maybe because that sort of narrative has been in our realm (laughs) of existence like for a very long time and it sort of perpetuates a lot of movies even where it's not like obvious you know like even in like fairy tales and stuff where mm, you know it's very sold, subtle it's sold to children in this way but there's definitely like you know when we look at it if you want to look at it critically it's definitely giving us a certain message mm. it's in said horror movies that you're talking about like the final girls and stuff like that it's only when we look at it from maybe in hindsight as well where we look at it and we're like oh why are these movies training women like that it's Some of it is not purposeful, I would say. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's just more product of its time. And so this Mm -hmm. movie came out and it's suddenly saying this message that is otherwise. And people were just (laughs) like, oh, (laughs) like just shocked because it says something that you're not used to. So to get your head around it, (laughs) it's again a product of your time where her thinking was just too high IQ <laughs> to a head from the mainstream brain. yeah I'm sure there are a lot of people who were watching this movie who did actually enjoy it and appreciate it but you know we only realized that people were treating Britney Spears weirdly in the past mm. few years imagine like the conversation about things like this 10 like 10 years ago again it's I, I'm glad that all these conversations are happening at the moment because I think it is important to sort of look at things critically and be like why did we do that because that's mm-hmm. how we progress right we we learn from our mistakes we look at the things that have been done and then we don't do them again we yeah. hope <laughs> We definitely hope. (laughs) Yeah, and obviously, like, you know, we're living in a world where, you know, Harvey Weinstein is in jail now. There's, like, more understanding of the way the entertainment industry, like, exploited women and sort of, like... And how it was normalised, which I think is the weirdest thing to have happened. (laughs) Yeah. I think some of the stuff has, like, sort of come out in the last few years that things have been well-known secrets, I think is also a strange thing to kind of come to terms with, like, that everyone 
stood by and and I'm not like blaming these people for standing by because you know they have their own reasons right like yeah. if, you're, if someone's in a position of power it's, it's often hard to know what to do as well yeah. but it's just having this idea that we all just knew about these things that were happening mm. and like not being able to do anything is also mm. like a very confronting situation to like mm. realize has happened to lots of people you know when we talk about like R. Kelly as well like everyone oh, yeah, knew, totally. everyone knew but yeah. there wasn't much that we could do. And there was also not much that those girls could do either because, you know, this guy was in this particular position where no one cared. People helped him do these things. Yeah, they, like, turned a blind eye or, like, created scenarios where he could, like, abuse these girls even more. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, well, if we're only just coming to terms with this and certainly not ready for stuff that will tell us otherwise. So, mm. yeah, it's sort of a combination of a lot of things. But, I mean... I'm glad yeah. that we're talking about it now and realizing things so that we can call it out and we can try to make things better yeah. for the benefits of this world. Yes. Good movie. Very good. I really enjoyed it. I think it, you know, as much as it deals with really heavy topics, it's still really funny and light and has that signature Diablo Cody humor. It's a very entertaining movie. Yeah. And yeah, even if you don't look into it too deeply, it is very fun to watch. I mean, it's fun to watch Megan Fox kind of eat boys. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one stage like Didi's like, you're killing people and Jennifer's like, I'm killing boys. <laughs> There's a difference. Yeah. <laughs> Very much about like how her, her body can empower her and give her agency, but it's also the thing that kind of lets her down, not through any fault of her own, but because of the way society just kind of like, you're a hottie, so that's all you can be, right? Like, yeah, which is like the power more, you have. <laughs> even, uh, more ironic with the whole marketing thing that happened. Yeah. It's a thing that will put her body at risk. Mm-hmm. You know, she'll attract the attention of people. But it's a mm-hmm. thing that can give her power. It's a thing that people judge her for. And yeah. Yeah. Very interesting movie, especially yeah, now in 2021. Yeah. yeah. Great fashion though. I I was into yeah. So she wears like a lot of like the printed jumpers and stuff, which I think were really popular at that time. Yeah. And in my mind, I both love it and hate it because I, I love it because it's it reminds me of that point in time um, and it's very like cutesy and fits like the whole like vibe um, and I hate it because I could never have clothes like that when I was that <laughs> like I love this scene where everyone's depressed and wearing dark clothes in the hallways because I don't know people are dying I guess but Jennifer's just like strutting through the hallway in her pink cardigan yeah. with pink earrings just like yeah I mean that's the outfit I'm thinking of in particular so freaking cute and it's totally a moment in time where everyone was like all I guess well-dressed in inverted commas um trendy people were wearing stuff like that and like I could never <laughs> never and you I would can now if you want but I really don't want to that's the problem <laughs> That's a problem. It's totally not in trend anymore. So it's like, well, now that I can, I don't want to. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. She has like a Fallout Boy poster in her room. And when I saw that, I thought of you. I relate. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely. I like, I'm pretty sure Fallout Alice would have had that. <laughs> I mean, like I said, it's sort of like a reflection of like who maybe who I wanted to be at this point in time, which is like, you know, the cute outfits and the, <laughs> the whole Boy rock bands, which I loved at this point in time, but without the whole, you know, other aspects. Eating boys. Yeah. 
<laughs> without that <laughs> yeah it's no wonder that this has become a cult classic i think i'm glad that it's found um its admirers and it's sort of been reevaluated. and we have been seeing a lot more of megan fox lately oh my god her um, and machine <laughs> <laughs> their relationship is quite funny because i think when we look at it we're like oh they're so weird like they're very i guess touchy <laughs> touchy and very gushy about each other but because yeah. they're the same way they feel the same way about each other and they kind of treat each other the same you're kind of like oh I see why they might work <laughs> because they did an interview where they were just like doing trivia about each other yeah and she's oh, like, one of my it. favorite movies and he instant he knows so much about it he's like it's the Harry Potter movies your favorite is Prisoner of Azkaban and I'm like oh my god like seems like you have to have a deep connection yeah exactly even though if you don't get them you get why they're together <laughs> <laughs> which we love and yeah what are we watching next Alice after much deliberation, which I will edit out of this episode, we decided to do the first <laughs> Harry Potter movie. Yeah, we've done a quick pivot. We were going to do Adam's Family, but I think Harry Potter might be more fun. It's been a while, but I would say this is a movie I've revisited many, many times. I had this movie on. Well, I do have it on VHS. Oh I can't my even goodness. play it on anything now. I don't have a VHS player. <laughs> oh, that's, that's it. That feels like something you should keep. I don't know it's why. Vintage. But- yeah. Oh, yeah, like literally is vintage, actually. Literally vintage, yeah. Before um, wrapping this up, I will give you a quick update, Alice. I did DM the kind stranger mm-hmm. who asked about my hobbies. So I did share the podcast with them. They yeah. asked for it. I, sh- I said, it's two friends in the pod. You can find it on Spotify. And that's where the saga ends. I don't know if she listened to it or not. Oh, you didn't ask? Oh, like she never gave me an update? <laughs> did she stopped talking to you? I don't know. This is strange. She asked me like, did you grow up in Melbourne or Sydney? Oh. And I said, Sydney. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I feel like, do you think she's like looking for someone? She thought I was someone that used to live in Melbourne or something. I don't know. Again, this goes back to my thought of like, you know, what does she want? <laughs> well, what does she want out of this? Is like, is this a friendship? Do you need to like have a talk with her and be like, I just need to like know where we stand. Uh, <laughs> Are you going to listen to my podcast or not? Like, <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm feeling really uncertain about how I feel about this. I'd really want your feedback in our podcast, but I don't want to push you to do that. I'm not allowed to make new friends. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to make new good friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Acquaintances only. <laughs> Thought I'd also tell you that I watched the finals for the Dota, I don't know, World oh, Championships. I, I saw you Snapchat this. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> my, my first instinct was, Okay, like I thought Jackie was playing or something and then I showed it to Fee and he was like, oh, the finals are on. I'm like, (laughs) oh, of course. (laughs) Yeah, just to wrap up our like gamer talk from last week. Yeah, look at us, just two gamer girls. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for us this week. Yep, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye, guys. (laughs) 